Welcome to the Seek 24 podcast. My name is John Michael Lucido, and this podcast will feature some of our favorite podcasters recorded live at the Spoke Street Media Booth during Seek 24 in St. Louis. We hope these give you a glimpse of the energy and passion from the conference and help you in your faith journey. Enjoy. Welcome to the Man Catholic Podcast. We are live here at Seek 24. My name is Steve Priest. I'm Thomas Schwartz. I'm Brock Martin. My name is Father Mike Schmitz. Let's go! (laughs) Father, we're excited to have you here with us today. We have uh, a great live audience here. I don't know if you... Let's Let's let's, hear it. Come on, let's let's get the microphones to pick you up. I don't know if the mics pick you up. We have a great crew here at Seek 24 in St. Louis with a special episode. Again, we are the Man Catholic Podcast, the three of us. Episode every week, we stick to about 20 minutes, so we'd love you to check us out. But today we have a, a great episode. We had Father Mike on early a, on. A yeah, year ago. About a year, a year ago. ago? Yeah. 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 And uh, the topic was how to not be a couch potato. Yep. And in that episode, you said four words that have really stuck with us and our listeners throughout this past year. And as a part of that topic of how to not be a couch potato, you said, we need to learn as men how to reject passivity and embrace responsibility. Yeah, mic drop. And, drop. and uh, again, that, that theme, that the topic has come up in multiple podcasts over the past year. What we want to do is look at that again, but kind of take a deeper dive into that mm-hmm. and, and more apply it into our lives. So it's great to have you back. Thanks. Sound, that sounds great, too. I love that, that the reality, you know, one of the things that how that, uh, that formulation of reject passivity, embrace responsibility came up was um, I believe that there are, because of the fall, there, is, uh, there are a couple of temptations that men and women fall into. Um, that the temptation that women typically fall into, and I apologize, um, but this is just kind of how things are a lot of times. The temptation that women fall into a lot of times is the temptation to control I want to be. In, I want to make sure everything's where it should be. I want to make sure everything's taken care of. I want to make sure everyone's taken care of, and in a good way. That's awesome because that that means that um, people are cared for. They're they're nurtured. Their things are ordered. That's beautiful. Guys, a lot of times because of the fall, our temptation is passivity, and so a lot of times that happens. We talked about this in the last past podcast, but when uh, a man and woman find each other, and here's a guy who's kind of tempted towards passivity, here's a woman tempted towards control. And at first it works out great. Like, you know, when it comes sure. to uh, the wedding planning and like, honey, you're in charge <laughs> of that. That's great. She's like, perfect. Finally, I have the binder all ready to go. <laughs> and, and he's like, great. She's taking care of this. And she's like, great. I'm in control of this. And then they set up a life. And at first it's great because she decorates it because she's thought it through. And he's like, where do you want me to hang this? Right there. Okay. Where do you want this couch? Right there. Okay. And so he takes direction and doesn't offer a lot of input. And she gets a control. And what happens, of course, is it works until it doesn't. And, and so at some point that control becomes resentment where it's like, wait a second, why do I always have to be the one who makes things fine? Why do I always have to be the one who, who makes all these decisions? Why do I always have to be the one who has it all together? And he begins to resent it because he says, well, how come I'm not why even a man? Why don't I I'm, get to make decisions? Why don't I get to yeah. input? Why, do, why am I emasculated? Well, like, bro, you emasculated yourself when you embraced passivity and she put herself into this place, position of, of responsibility or position of control when she didn't trust him. And that's the thing is like, so for the spoiler, we recovered, we talked about this last podcast. 
So for men, the formulation is going to be reject passivity and embrace responsibility. It's not reject passivity and embrace control. Right, it's not that. Right, right, right. It's embrace responsibility. For the woman, it's not, re it's not reject control and embrace uh, passivity. It's reject control and embrace trust. Amen. And that's going to be the big relational kind of thing between men and women is going to be when she says, okay, I get to actually release some of this control because you've shown yourself, you proved yourself that I can trust you to yeah. take responsibility. So it's going to be a growth process. If they dug that hole where he's fallen fully into passivity, she's fallen fully into control. They have to build themselves out of that, out of that hole by he slowly proves that he can be trusted mm -hmm. by embracing responsibility. Father, one, one of the things that I think you brought up in the last podcast that I want to make sure we talk about today is the vice of Achadia. Yeah. So if you can unpack that a little bit, I think the reality is that it's hard to reject passivity because yeah. so much in our life is comfortable and it's easy to just sit there and, and kind of be a passive recipient to whatever's happening. And I think there's that vice that you had mentioned is kind of connected to that. Unpack that for us. Yeah, no, I love, I love talking about Achadia, Achadia, you know, people call it sloth. I like to pronounce it sloth, but sloth. either way, but Achadia. <laughs> so sloth is not laziness. Mm -hmm. And Achadia is not laziness. Uh, Achadia is this, is that sense of, I love it like this. It's regardless of where I am or what I'm doing, I'd rather be somewhere else doing something else. Mm -hmm. Like that, that sense of like, oh, here's my life. Yeah, but I can't wait until I could be somewhere else. I get to be doing something else. And that is, again, sometimes that drives us to do something else. Sometimes we're not supposed to be here right now. And actually I'm supposed, God, that conversion moment can be like, wait a second, I'm supposed to be somewhere else. God, you made me to do something else than this. That's, that's wonderful. That's not a Chadia, right? That's, that's, that's action. Chadia is, God, you want me to be here, but I want to be there. And the more and more we spend our lives looking around the corner for like, what's next, what's next, what's yeah. next, we can't live. I mean, it's literally impossible to live because if my whole life, think about this, if my whole life is spent wanting to be somewhere else doing something else, then I'm never really here, I'm never really now, mm -hmm. and where can God be found? God's not found in the past, he's not found in the future, he can only be found in this moment. God's will can only be found in this exact moment. And so Achadia uh, is, we can talk about it more and more, but yeah, I, it's it. one of those. And, and I want to get to that practically in a second, but we do that all the time, don't we? We do that with our weekend plans mm -hmm. um, where, where we resist to make plans because yeah. we, we want to wait to see what, what's happening. You know, should I be somewhere else? Should, you know, should I want to do something else instead of really just living kind of in that moment? Yeah. And even in conversations, how often will I be talking to you and kind of looking, looking around like, <laughs> is, much easier is there right someone now. else that I could talk to? Yeah. But we do that like every day, yeah. all the time. We're constantly being, being distracted instead of being in, in that present moment. And sometimes we do need to be called right. to go do something else. But other times, and this is, I brought this up with Michelle Dupont, you know, and I don't know if you watched the doc documentary last night, but she was so good. And I think saints and holy people are so good at being right there in that moment, not being distracted. Yeah, and as, as I work with college athletes, one of the biggest things is mindset. Yeah. And so that speaks exactly to that. If we're not living in the present moment, if we're not playing in the present moment, we won't hit the zone. Right. And I think that's the same as Christian men. We got to be in the moment to love because you can only love now. You can't love yesterday. Hopefully yeah. you did. You can't love in the future. Hopefully you will, but you live now. You live in the moment. But when I was younger, so much of my life was thinking of, of tomorrow, tomorrow. When will I be happy? When will I find my spouse? Mm -hmm. When will I do these things? And and I missed a lot of the moment that I was living in. And I think that's, I love that because the Achadia piece, I didn't, didn't realize it. That is really what it was mm -hmm. until now. It, Here, it I'm looking back and like 
Shoot. <laughs> well, it's fascinating too that you mentioned that because it happens on the very smallest micro level and on the biggest macro level. So the micro level could be like in a conversation um, on the playing field. That's like, okay, in this moment, I'm always thinking about these things. The little bit bigger is the, that sense of on a day-to-day basis. I, ah, my life, I'm disgruntled by it, you know? But ultimately, Achadia is, midlife crisis is the culmination of Achadia. Because, I mean, that, that's why the monks called it the noonday devil. Because you'd be a monk and you'd be in your hut and you'd be praying and your job is to get up, say your prayers, and that from 10 o'clock to two o'clock, you're just, you're in your hut. You're supposed to be there. Just, just all you're supposed to do is stay here with the Lord. But the monks said that was the moment when th- those hours were the moments where you thought of all the, you had, you had all your best ideas. Yeah. yeah. Like I should write a book. <laughs> I should go into the town and serve people. I should do this. I should do this. I should do this. I should do anything other than what I've been called to do. And think about that's what a, uh, that's what a midlife crisis is. Is like, you know, the, the, the beginning part of your career, that's, that excitement is already passed. Like yeah. the beginning part of starting a family, that excitement is passed. You're not yet at the place of retirement where you get to just kind of the like golden years and kind of like do all the, yeah. it's that piece of like, I'm just being called to stay here and keep going, to keep one foot in, foot, yeah. one foot in front of the other. And yeah, and yeah it's, Acedia hits us from the smallest place to the biggest place. So here's, uh, here's the roadmap for where we're going with this topic. We, we really want to unpack it. So we're going to start, for those taking notes and want to know the game plan, we're going to start in our heart. How do we actually do this? How do we take this idea of reject passivity, embrace responsibility in our heart? How do we, how do we transform our heart through that? Then we're going to apply it. So many of you are college students. How do we do that on our campus, in our dorm rooms with our friends? How do we do that second in our parish? We have a lot of parishioners here. And third place in our workplace. Uh, how do we do that practically with our fellow employees. So let's start. How do we do this in our heart? Yeah, to kick to kick it off, Father Mike, I, when you're talking about the noonday devil and it, these, this time is when you kind of get your best ideas. If, we, if we're starting in our heart, I think this is so applicable in our prayer lives, yeah. right? It's when yeah. you're sitting in front of the blessed sacrament, there's something inside of me that wants to be somewhere else. Or I get this <laughs> yeah. great idea of what I should be yeah. going and doing outside. Yeah. So for guys to embrace responsibility and for the ladies to embrace trust, if we're doing that in our hearts, how does that start in prayer? Yes. Yeah. No, yeah. it's so good. It's such good. There's a great book I want to recommend right now. It's by a woman named Colleen Carroll Campbell. It's called The Heart of Perfection. And the subtitle is How I Left, How I Abandoned My Idea of Perfection and Traded It in for God's. Mm-hmm. So recommend it 100%. Um, the Heart of Perfection, Colleen Carroll Campbell. She describes she, this, this. She said, okay, she is, she's, a, she's a mom. She's an author. She's a speaker. Uh, she's Catholic. And she said, you know, one night I was given the opportunity to pray and my husband took the kids. It was a situation where he just, he made the space for me to be able to enter into prayer. And I had all these amazing ideas about my next book. And she said, she said, and so instead of like having my prayer and just making the note saying, okay, idea for book, write it down, come back to it. She, like she said, she took the whole time and like was typing on her phone, like all these ideas, all these ideas, all these ideas. And she's a, she didn't pray. And she stayed up way past when she wanted to stay up. So the next morning she woke up and she was not only had this night, like didn't sleep hangover, like kind of such a, like, <laughs> man, I had the opportunity last night to go to bed early and I didn't. I had the opportunity to pray last night and I didn't, but I had this great idea for a book. She looked at her notes and she's like, this is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing. That's, that's the key. That's a Saint, yeah. uh, Saint uh, Ignatius. No, uh, the one who founded the Jesuits. Ignatius. Ignatius. That's the it. one. That's yep. the guy. <laughs> and so Ignatius Loyola talked about that when it came to consolation and desolation. Right. Where it was, how do I know if I'm not 
if I'm called to stay right here, yeah. right, how do I know if I'm called to actually, no, you're supposed to move right now. Yeah. And he said that, you know, in, in, when he read the lives of the glory stories of, of heroes of valor, it was fun at the moment, like Colleen Carroll Campbell writing down these great new ideas, but afterwards it was like empty. Mm-hmm. When it came to reading the stories about Jesus and the saints, he was filled up in the moment, but also it, it lasted. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the ways we have to discern this. We have to learn how to discern in our hearts, like, okay, God, are you calling me to move away from this moment? Mm-hmm. Or are you calling me to enter into this moment and just like write down that note? So this is what I do. When it comes to prayer, that's when I get a lot of ideas. And so I have my notebook and I'm like, shoot, yep. that notebook is, it's a great source of insight. It's also an incredible distraction mm-hmm. because I can take my entire, and this is the thing, like truly, truly, I can take my entire prayer time and just work on stuff. Yeah. Yep. And say, well, no, this is for the Lord. And this is for the Lord. As opposed to, and I know this happens afterwards. I'm like, God, I just wasted that time. That was for you. Mm-hmm. And I used it for something else. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so the key thing I will do is I'll take that notebook. And when I do it right, this is when I do it right. Take the notebook. I'll write down the thought mm-hmm. and then put it down. Yep. And that's the key thing is like, cause I'm like, no, you want, you want me to be here. There's nothing there. There's something worse, but there's nothing worse than getting done with the prayer time, having been intentionally distracted yeah. and realizing not only I will never get that time again. Mm. And I did it to myself. Amen. You I, wanted me here and I wasn't. I do that all the time, father, especially with gifts. So Christmas time just passed. Yeah. So I think of the best gifts to get my children during prayer. So I whip out my phone and go on Amazon and put it on the list. It's just horrible that, you know, I, yeah. I, I let myself get distracted intentionally. Right. And it's just at the end, what was I doing? Right. You know, and so, but it, it is, a, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. It's, it is a temptation. It is real. And we got to just keep fighting through that. Oh, so I like your example. And that's what a distraction is, right? A distraction is anything that takes me away from what I should be focusing on. Yep. So I think it's not a distraction if I'm supposed to be focusing on that. Yep, so sure. think about that in yeah, prayer. That, yep. Like if, if my, in my prayer, I've been moved to like really reflect on some aspect. Like that's not, but I really wanted to pray about, you know, the gospel of John. That's not a distraction. That's being called that's, to yeah. that. But a distraction is like you just described. Anything that takes my attention away where it's supposed to be. Yep. In some of my busiest moments in life, what I have to do is I have to take all those distractions and verbalize them and and yeah. like mentally set them aside. Yeah. Okay, this part of my job, I, I hear it, I acknowledge it, I'm yep. setting it over yep. here. You know, this with my son, I'm setting this over here, this conversation I need to have with my wife, I'm setting that down in order to really give myself permission to enter into that prayer, that I acknowledge all these things and they're there and they're real. Sometimes yep. I write them down, sometimes I just have to acknowledge them yeah. before I can really enter into that prayer. But I love that that's where we have to start, Brock, and, and you brought it up and, and that, that those are great tips that, in order to embrace responsibility, it has to start in prayer. If we really want it to, to get into our heart, get into our mind, to take action, it has to start in prayer. Let's transition. Well, can I say one more thing? I guess so. so <laughs> you know, it's funny because um, you mentioned just being alone. I, I heard about this study that they took these men and women and separated them all. And they had men go into a room by themselves, just yeah. individually for one hour, mm-hmm. and then women go into a room by themselves individually for one hour, and then afterwards they ask them, what did you think about for that hour? And men, by and large, <laughs> after that one hour, yeah. they thought about two things, either sports or sex. That was, that was what they thought of. Yeah. Shocker. Sounds about right. <laughs> women, what they thought about for one hour is, what did you do? They replayed conversations in their minds. 
Mm. And it was one of those situations where the guy presenting that information said, it was a man, and he said, gentlemen, or he said, ladies, no man in this crowd has ever done that in the history <laughs> of humanity. Like, and women are like, that's just what you do. You have a brief moment. We'll go back to that conversation. Well, how did that conversation go? What did you think, what did you think about? So the temptation for distraction can be oftentimes in prayer. It's many things, but many ladies, if you go back and think about this, it could be, yeah, go back and relive conversations. Okay, maybe that's not what God's calling me to do. Guys, it might not be sports and sex. One of, one of our uh, missionaries said to me, she said, Father, I don't think it's sports and sex for you. I think for you, it's um, CrossFit and homilies. Amen. Like, <laughs> yep, that's what it is. That's like, whenever I'm by myself, I'm thinking about CrossFit or I'm thinking about homilies. That's it. So uh, I thank you for adding that. Uh, I'd love to know if that's uh, resonating. I did with Thomas right away. Um, I've never, ever, ever thought about replaying a conversation ever. Yeah. Um, so that's you. I've been trying to do it now. It's just it's really, really hard. hard. It's, it's really hard to have conversations sometimes as a man, right? <laughs> let's, let's take this to campus life. So if, if we want to now apply this, we've, we've taken it to prayer. We're rejecting passivity, embracing responsibility. How do we do this as college students on a, on a daily basis? What does this look like? Well, you know, it's so, it, I think it starts with the relationships. I mean, well, sorry, let me back up. If you've been called to be a student, then you are called to be a student. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like, well, because I'm a student, I can't pray. Because I'm a student, I can't have relationships. Because yeah. I'm a student, I can't be a good friend. A lot of times I'll hear that, right? You'll hear people who will say like, you know, I really want to have a prayer life, but my primary vocation is to be a student right now. Therefore, da, 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 fill in, the, fill in that. that. That's not true. That's, that is kind of a, I don't want to say a lie from hell. <laughs> but it's <laughs> but close. But it's, it's close. close. It's close to that. Because what it is, is, is like, wait a second. When is... You're always going to have a primary thing to do or primary kind of vocation in the sense of like, well, my primary vocation is to be a father. Therefore, I can't pray. Like, oh, Father Thomas Dubé, this great priest back in the day. I, once, I remember he had a book that was a, uh, a question and answer, like spiritual direction book if you ever wanted. You can't find a spiritual director, but you need one. Here's his book. And in it, he had this guy say, you know, I'd love to be able to be, uh, I'd love to pray more, but I'm a husband, I'm a father, and I just can't find the time. Yeah. And Father Dubé's response was, don't worry about it. That's completely understandable. It's totally okay. If you want to be a mediocre husband, don't pray. It's fine. Yeah. If you want to be a mediocre father, just don't make the time to pray. Don't worry about it. No problem. Yeah. But if that's what you want to be, then just go ahead. And I think that when it comes down to students, sometimes we say, no, my primary vocation is to be a student. Therefore, I can't pray, can't have deeper relationships, can't lead a Bible study. Yeah. And that's not the case not because yep. at some point in life, you have to okay. embrace so what would be maybe a, a mantra that you would recommend, if that's even the right idea, with going back to when I was in college, I was always thinking of, of tomorrow, the future, not living in the present. Mm -hmm. How do you, if you catch yourself doing that, what, what would you say to, to the young Thomas of just remind yourself, be still, know that I'm God, like live in the moment? Like, is there some practical thing that we can just, as we catch ourselves not being present? Yeah. What, what, what to, yeah. What's a habit we can develop? It's a good question. Well, I think one thing is realizing that sometimes what's due tomorrow is the work of today. Yeah. So sometimes we get that, like, well, I want to be here and now and present and like, hey, want to go to the party? Yes, because I'm here living I'm right here now in the present. moment. Yeah. C.S. Lewis talks about that. He says, actually, to truly live in the moment will oftentimes mean the work of this moment is for tomorrow, is for next week. And so it really... I, I believe with my whole heart that it involves knowing what your priority is. 
Like if I, do I, do I actually know what my, do I have a vision? Do I have God's vision for my life in mind? Because I mean, ultimately when it comes down to it, we have a lot of tasks that we need to do. But God is, I think, I believe this, God is less concerned with the tasks we accomplish or the experiences that we live through. And he's more concerned with who we become in the process. Mm. And that's the, that. the number one thing is who I become in the process. So, okay, at some moment I might need to put the work down and like, no, have fun, just relax. Because why? Because I'm becoming, I'm becoming a person who's angry and resentful. Or maybe the kind of thing of like, I'm laid back and chill and relaxed, but I'm not doing what I should be doing. And I need to be the kind of person who people can count on. So how am I becoming that kind of person? And that's the big thing I always come back to is sometimes, A, the work of the moment is getting ready for tomorrow or getting ready for next week. Mm-hmm. And B, a lot of times I have to focus on, ask myself the question, what is the person I'm becoming? At the, what, who's the person I want to be at the end of this story? If this story ends next week, we have people here who are at seek. Their story could end next week. Yeah, sure. On this, sure. in this life. And the question is, who do I want to be at the end of next week? Amen. And yeah, I never got a chance to go to Fiji. That doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Who were you at the end of the story? A lot of people here will live to their 80s or 90s, maybe 100. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful, but it doesn't matter. Who did you become? You mentioned Michelle. Yeah. He's like, what, how was she, 25? Yeah. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that sense of being 25 years old when she died. And she but, didn't know it was coming, right? No. Happened quickly. But who did she become mm-hmm. in the course of 25 years? Yeah. That, that's the most important part. So I think that's the question that I ask. So, Father, we're, we're right, again, we're talking this concept of reject passivity, embrace responsibility, or for the ladies, reject control and embrace trust. In this, we're talking about college students, and there are hundreds of college students here. The chaplain at University of Minnesota Duluth, there's a bunch of... Go Bulldogs. There we go. Bulldogs, Bulldogs over here. I want to touch on relationships, Father. How yeah. can men live this to, to embrace responsibility and for women to embrace trust in relationships on college campuses? You mean like dating relationships? Yeah. So, and yeah, I would even dating say, relationships. I would even say begin with, begin with any relationship, like begin with friendships okay. too. So here's an example. I just, I was so moved by this. I mentioned before we started recording that... Um, I have a relative who recently retired from the military um, and he was special ops for 25, 26 years. Like the elite of the elite. And at his retirement party, people were telling stories about his life. That I'm like, whoa, you did what for our country? Like you did what for the world? Incredible stories about like, I mean, like true. They were like, yeah, your, your relative is like a, like a legit American hero. Like your, your like relative stuff is- they make movies out. Yes, problems, like right? they have, yeah. he's a hero. One of the stories they told was this guy who got up and said, yeah, when I first joined this group of people, I was the new guy and he gets all choked up and he says, I was, I was going to get deployed with these guys, but his father had died, so he couldn't go. And he said, I finally, you know, did the, did the funeral and everything. I got back to where they, where they were in the world. And I, he said, I landed and got to the, whatever the poster base was at three in the morning. I'm the new guy. None of these guys know me. They don't care about me. Like, I'm just, I'm nobody. And I land and I get to the post, to the base, whatever. And there's a little note that says, hey, um, your barracks are wherever. Follow the green, like, glow sticks. I looked up and I saw a glow stick and I walked to it. I saw another little glow stick, walked to it. I was like, is this a prank? What's going on here? But he said, I got to the barracks and sitting outside waiting for me at three in the morning was your relative. And he, he's like, he didn't have to do that for me. No one's ever done that. I'd never expected anyone to do this for me, but he just showed up. I'm like, in the midst of all these stories about what this man has done that like make movies about, 
the one story this man told was the time that your relative waited up for me till three in the morning because he wanted me to know that I'm part of the part of the team. That's amazing. And like, so that kind of like relationship is like, yeah. there's something so powerful about like, do you show up? Yeah. Like, do you, are you there? Like, are you the kind of person people can count on? Yeah. Not Amen. just like when we're in battle, but like you landed, it's three in the morning. No one expects you to be there. Yeah. But you embrace responsibility and say, he's one of ours. Well, that's the idea that the, the Lord brings up, the faithful and the little things. Yeah. Yeah. And you're faithful in the big things. Shout out to all our active duty, Ike, everyone out there that's serving the country. Yeah. Thank you for your service. But I love that so I said that, rela that relationship kind of a thing, you know? So, and that translates, I mean, he's an incredible husband to his wife yeah. because he does that for yeah. her too. And that's what I'm saying is like, so you're dating your friends. Like, here's a question we could ask just of ourselves right now. Do your friends know they can count on you? Yeah. Or do your friends are like, no, they're, they're for a good time. Or, or you can think of the people in your life that you can count on as well. Yep. And that's a, that's a pretty quick examination of conscience of who is in your life. Yeah. That when you think, okay, who are the people I'm hanging out with like right that. now and yeah. who can I count on? Yeah. I mean, the number's pretty small. Yeah. We, all know the, we all know the flakes, yeah. right? Yeah. The people yeah. that don't show up. Yeah. Okay, well, I want to talk that. about the parish. So we're at Seek 24. There's 20,000 people here, but 2,000 of those folks are parish. And every single college student here Will is be. going to be in That's a right. parish one day. Yep. So for men to embrace responsibility, for women to embrace trust, in my role in focus, I work with parishes. And I, many parishes rest on the shoulders of amazing women who are doing all this work. And I don't want to discount that. Yeah. But how can men embrace responsibility and how can women embrace trust in parish life? Yes, yeah, so good. You know, I, I think, was it Matthew Kelly who did a, a, a survey that he discovered that 6% of all the work, all the funding, yeah. yep. and all of the ministry that's done in a parish or is there all the mirrors? All that work is done by six percent six yeah. of people. Yeah. Yeah. Matthew Kelly. And it was just amazing. And to realize, he, he says, what if you didn't just double that? What if you didn't just have 25? What if you had 1%? 1%, because, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. That's amazing. So what if the men here, or men wherever listening, were to say, that'll be the 1%. What does that look like? Well, I think it looks like I have a brother-in-law who he's, he was a stay-at-home dad for a really long time. Now he owns a brewery. Really cool. What a life. What a life. <laughs> what, yeah, this is a dream job. Yeah. So at one point they moved to my hometown. Um, he went up to the priest and the priest is awesome. My brother-in-law is awesome. And he said, Father, I'm a stay-at-home dad. My last child is in school now. I have a lot of free time. What do you need? Mm. And he texted me because he's like, hey, Father hasn't gotten back to me. It's been three weeks. He hasn't gotten back to me. And I was like, wait a second. I know this priest and I know this priest is a really good, like he has, he's isn't just a good worker. He has vision. I'm like, I think you're the first person to ever ask him that question. Wow. Like, I legitimately he's, think wow. he's speechless. Yeah. And he just was like, I don't know. What would I do if Spam I had this call. guy? Spam call, reject. Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> he came forward and said, I'll do whatever it is you need. Yeah. And so what happened was, gave him a little more time and father contacted my brother-in-law and was like, okay, this is what I need. Can yeah. you do this? And it was one of those situations where it was like, just ask your priest. He won't have an answer. This is the reality. Mm -hmm. If any of the guys listening to this went to their pastor tomorrow or this week and said, mm -hmm. Father, I'm available on Tuesdays. What do you need? I almost guarantee you none of them will have an answer. Yeah. But to go back to him again and say, hey, I just want to remind you, available on Tuesdays, what do you need? Yeah. Um, that's going to be the, one of the first steps. And be, and be willing to do yeah. what he asks. Because he yeah, may yes. ask you to do something that's not very glorious, yeah. right? Yeah. So and gonna, you're kind of like, yeah. oh, I'm not as excited to do that. But I think to have that mentality of, hey, I'm, I'm willing to go pick up the sponge. Or, you know, it started with, yeah. hey, you have a truck. Can you help us haul this stuff? <laughs> yeah. Sure. No problem. And, know, then, and then it was like, yeah. you know, can you be in charge of the fish fry? 
Like, yeah. And then it was like, okay, now when he got a hold of that, he's like, oh, the fish fry is not good enough. Yeah. We, we need to have the, a fish fry. Like, that's amazing. I have a brewery. We're, we're going to have beer batter. You know, we're going to have this whole thing. But it started with, can you haul stuff in your truck? So yeah. I, I love the humility and the, the true responsibility that comes out of the question of, Father, what can I do for you? Because yeah. I, I know a lot of us, and I've done it, Father, that I've, I've gone to a priest and I said, look, I've been a focused missionary for 14 years. I know how to lead Bible studies. I know how to disciple. So here's what I'm going to do in your right. parish, yeah. Father. I am going to, I'm going to light this up. And that's not the right approach, right? right? The no. right <laughs> approach is to say, Father, what can I do for you? And that might start with hauling stuff in your truck. And it'll be super tempting. I think for everyone listening, who's been through the making missionary disciples track, which is awesome. How to lead Amazing. a Bible study, how to give a testimony, how to reach souls. It'll be tempting for us to go to our parish priest and say, I have the answer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not the responsible approach is what I'm hearing. The responsible approach is saying, Father, how here's, can I here's serve? who I am. Yeah. yeah. Here's where I've been, but how can I serve you best? Yeah. Okay. I, I love that okay. approach. I have a question. So, so take what you just said, all of you. I love it. Analogy at home. I come home and I try to say to my wife, what can I do? And there's times when she's like, can you just look? There's, you, there's clearly things to do. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> That's really good. So, can you just look? Can I you just that. look? Open your <laughs> I don't want to do the wrong thing. But you're gonna be like, you should have this yeah. so, so at what point do we have some initiative and at least not say yeah. I'm going to do this, but bring suggestions? Yeah. Like, is that something that is, you think? Is that or, helpful to a priest? To exactly, say, like, right. That would be totally helpful. Okay. I mean, because I, I, the best, my best ideas are someone else's. Like completely every time. Mm -hmm. Like when I have, like I mentioned, we have our missionaries come to me and say, hey, Father, we need, I've noticed this. I'm like, oh, thank you for noticing that. What should we do? Yeah. I, I think that, I think that, again, it's not reject passivity, embrace control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's right. that embrace responsibility, that sense of like, if it, your wife responds to saying, honey, um, I'm here. What can I do? I've been, I've been gone all day. Yeah. What can I do? And she has a list. Great. If she doesn't, Jump like, in. okay, I know what she normally asked me to do. Yeah. Yep. And the laundry. A, right. The small thing, there was a, uh, a, this young man, he graduated from UMD and uh, he was getting married. And so one like Friday, Saturday night before he got married, like a week, couple weeks before, he invited a bunch of his married friends and me out to this bar to like give him last minute advice. And I'm like, okay, you know, <laughs> the priest, last minute advice for marriage. And at one point, uh, one of these young married men, maybe married maybe five, 10 years, he said, you know what I do? He said, every night I notice that my wife will get herself a glass of ice water. Hmm. And so I just noticed that. And so I just started getting her a glass of ice water. Dang, that's good. She, she didn't ask me for it, but I just noticed. I know that every night she gets a glass of ice water, so I can get her a what glass of ice water. What if I just do it? Yeah. I don't, she doesn't have to ask me because I, I know that she likes that. And so he's, I just started doing that. And that's, I think, part of that embracing responsibility is, yep. I mean, imagine how many parishes, how many campuses, how many relationships, if a man just looks up and starts noticing a little yeah. bit. Now, that's a yeah. big thing because that's a step out of our, you guys, there. You know floorboards or what do they call those like that baseboards? Baseboards. I moved into the Newman house 19 years ago. And there was no baseboard around one wall and then another little piece of the wall. It's 19 years later. <laughs> there is still no baseboard. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh yeah, that thing that's missing." I just walk past it every day. So sometimes, you know, we need other people to did, point. Did you guys out. hear that? The bulldogs out there. He needs baseball. Come on, okay? fellas. Let's go bulldogs. Go get some baseball. So, so basically, don't just think about sports and sex. Think right. about hey, what are some? What can I notice? Yeah. Be attentive. And I, I think that's so powerful because it's. I now, after eleven years of marriage, realize I need to change the laundry out because 
my wife was doing something else and mm-hmm. forgot, let me do that. Or let's fold the laundry kids and, and start doing things. And sometimes we're slow as men, Yeah, but it, that's okay. Well, yeah. then we can just do not give up like Monsignor Shea said, right? And also iterate, right? Because a lot of times what happens is a guy tries, I'm trying to take responsibility for this. I'm like you're doing it wrong. Okay, fine. I give up. Like, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that's hold on a second. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. That's really okay. good. How would you like me to do it differently? Yeah. Is that, that that sense of like rather than just being like, well, forget this then. Yeah. One thing, like, I I know we need to wrap it up, but I just want to. I oh no, we're just getting started. I actually, I don't know yeah. where it was. I think with Father Josh, I mentioned that my parents had a spiritual gift of being able to make an argument out of nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I just was is so uh, powerful is. I remember watching my parents. You know, we can get lessons from our family positively and negatively. My mom would say this. Okay, my uh, my dad, uh, Peter, go out with all the kids and do this to the lawn. I want you guys to landscape, da-da-da-da. We do it. We get done. She'd come out and say, no, 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 this is all wrong. This, 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 this. And then she'd go back in and we'd try to fix it. Fix it. She'd come back out. Like, this is all wrong. I'm like, okay, at what point do my mom and dad say, let's stop. And my dad says, hey, Goody, come outside and do this with us so that we get to do it one time. But I think there's something piece about that communication and iterating and being willing to be corrected and not give up. I'm really good at saying whatever. That's my temptation. It's like, then do it. it. So I love this idea of of embracing responsibility, particularly in the parish and the family. And if, if any of the college students who are listening maybe get daunted by that reality, I want to connect it to something you said earlier when we were talking about the college students. Because if you're anything like me, hearing the ideal can be intimidating. Right. I'm like, wow, there's a lot inside of me that is not up to the ideal that has just been explained. But that idea of being somebody that can be depended on is something that everybody who is listening today can take a step towards. And to be confident, that's actually going to help you be the kind of husband and father that you want. Like you said, at the end of the story, or a week from now, five years from now, whenever God's calling you in that. So I just, I wanted to share that before we we transition. And our heart actually desires that, I believe. We all want to be the friend that our friends can count on, right? We actually do want that in our hearts. Um, I had one more quick thing about the the parish, and then I want to end with our fourth point, looking at the workplace. I think, so what I don't want to do is discount that that our heart's desire to lead a Bible study, disciple, reach out in the parish is is not good, and we should just set that aside. What I do want to say is sometimes... If we go to a, a pastor and our parish priest and say, hey, I've got these plans, I want to do all this, it could overwhelm them. But if we haul the stuff in the truck, if we do the fish fry, the fish fry, he's going to sit back and say, now, what is it you were interested right. in doing? And then that it could lead to that. And well, so, that's a great point. Right? You have to demonstrate that you can be trusted. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like you that. think about here's a here's a priest who may have been in a parish or many parishes for many, many years, and he's seen people with great ideas yeah. show up and then... They don't off. get to do that idea. And they back so off. They, no yeah. follow through. Or, they, or yeah. they show up and they start doing it and yeah. then they get bored with it and back off. At yeah. some point, you have to, trust has to be built on both sides. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. So I find the workplace maybe one of the harder places uh, to evangelize. And I, well, I work at Focus, so I, I don't have to. It's a really can, hard place to evangelize. I can, I can see that. That's because we're doing the evangelizing, yeah. oh Steve. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> They're all that, oh, on. <laughs> well, you have a lot of work to do. And <laughs> yeah. um, Imagine, uh, imagine talking, there's a lot of people here who either currently work in a completely secular, faithless industry, or they will, they're about to graduate and step into that. How does this look? How do we reject passivity, embrace responsibility, reject control, embrace trust as men and women in the workplace when it, it is not set up for that kind of activity? How do we yeah. practically 
jump into that? I, I think there's something really powerful about competence. I mean, in all domains of life, but particularly in the workplace, that, that, that notion of like, again, when someone can be counted on, doesn't just mean that, uh, well, and at the very basic, it means they did what they said they were gonna do. Yeah. And that sense of like, well, cause that's why it starts with the heart, right? Um, to be able to have, I mean, self-confidence should come from the ability to keep one's promises to oneself. Mm. Like that should be the baseline of self-confidence. I shouldn't have self-confidence if I can't keep the promises I make to myself. Yeah. I mean, it just may, but then when it comes to other people, they have confidence in me because I, I did what I said I was gonna do. Yeah. And so at the most basic level in the workplace, I think a lot of times people would look at uh, a Catholic in the workplace who like really lives their faith out and they would say, all they could say is, he's really good or mm. she's really good. Mm. Like that's, that's the, if they don't know anything else, that's yeah. what they're gonna say. It's just like, huh, they know what they're, they might not even like us. Like, you know, temperaments to personalities don't always jive, but it would be that. But no, but she's, she knows what she's doing or he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And there's something done. about that that just is the initial witness that we can give that, uh, that's, a, that's what, the first step, just first What step. do you think about taking that another layer? That's amazing. And I love that. And I think the competence thing, it's a good challenge for me too. Like, am I actually doing what I think I should be doing and having right. that self-confidence? But then that reality was you look into the workplace or even the neighborhood that you live in and just having that love, that desire for those in your circle, your neighbors, your, your fellow citizens, your, your, your fellow workers, and just how can I help, even if it's not a direct evangelization where I'm preaching Christ, if I can't quite do that yet, how do I just yeah. elevate yeah. the culture? How do I just make it a more dignified place? How do I just make it a more honest place? And I think, I don't know what, what you think to that, but that could be just a wonderful place to yeah. embrace responsibility, just to take it up, even on a natural level, to yeah. make the place a something that's more true, good, and beautiful. Well, I think what you're hitting, so any Hickman, if you know any, yep. um, any Hickman is, uh, I remember years ago he said this, he said, you know what? I think when Jesus told us to love our neighbor, he actually meant our neighbor. <laughs> like he meant the person who lives next door, a person yeah. who works in their yeah. office or yeah. the cubicle next door to us. Yeah. He's like, if I'm constantly like, oh, my neighbor's out there somewhere. Like, no, the person next, so he, he had this thing, I think he called it the 10 foot rule. And that 10 foot rule is, how am I, how well am I loving the people within the 10 foot radius of me? Dang. Like legitimately the people in front of me and people next to me. And so when it comes to work, it's like, well, they don't have to be my best friends. They don't have to be necessarily the target of my evangelization. How well am I loving them? Because Jesus commanded me to love my neighbor. Amen. And right now that's who they are. Yep. That's who the my neighbor is. Yeah. I think yeah. elevation like, yeah. that, like that. Yep. I love it. And, and that's the idea of embracing this responsibility yeah. and not just living kind of passively like who, who's this neighbor? They're out there somewhere right, yeah, or, yeah. or they walk by. It's, it's actually taking a, a intentional approach to it. You're taking responsibility yep. over your That intentionality of being yeah. attentive. Maybe, maybe they're struggling in their marriage. Maybe their right. kid's sick. And just even those little things, yep. like your relative that had the green. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. He was sitting there at three in the morning. Like, yeah. how are we doing stuff like that little yep. ways? And then those big moments will come where we can, I would think, Bring in Christ. Yeah, when we've been when we've been faithful in those yeah. little moments, the yeah. big moments become easier. There was an article a long time ago about how you can measure a culture by how many shopping carts in a in a grocery store parking lot are are put back where they go. <laughs> and I think that that's a that's a very simple little way. Like, put your shopping cart back. That's a, yeah. it. Doesn't take any effort really. Just put your shopping cart back, and you're starting to take a step of embracing responsibility, and elevating the culture yeah. around you. Well, you know, it's funny because you mentioned the little things. I know that for myself, I often pull off on the expressway, whatever, and there's a person with the cardboard sign yeah. that needs help. And I'm like, oh, what, what do I do? What do I do? 
Like, okay, that's, that is a good question. It's a real question. But do I also, with my people I work with, mm-hmm. like if, if they're not, if, they're, if I know that they're sick, or I know that their kid is sick, or whatever the thing is, do I have the same, like, what do I do? Do I even mm-hmm. ask, and they say this, do I even ask the question, Wow, God, do you want me to do anything here? And it could just, that, that could be the most simple, like you mentioned, like sometimes intimidating, overwhelming. Like it could be just like I asked about the cardboard box, like, oh, what, God, what do you want me to do? That maybe when it comes to my work, the coworker, oh, they're having a bad day. <laughs> oh, I'm going to leave them alone. Them. That's what we typically do. Them. Yeah. Could totally. be a God, do you, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe yeah. God's like, no, just give him some space. Yeah. But also could be like, God, what do you want me to do? But that's the responsibility. I love yeah, that yeah. question. God, how do you want me to in, it, live responsibility engage. in this moment? Engage in this moment. What's our temptation? Yeah. Disengage. Disengage. Not my problem. Listen, too long, men, yeah. I think we've disengaged from yeah. society, from the yeah. neighborhood, yep. from whatever. Yep. You know? And I think, Father, thank you for yeah. bringing this topic to us, that line, and for revisiting with us. Because yeah. it's just such a, it's going to make such a big difference. Take the, the 8%, right. the yeah. Matthew Cody. Yeah. Add one or two more percent. If we just do a little bit more, then we all do it. It's going to ripple through society. And I think it's amazing. Again, we are live here at Seek 24. We're the man Catholic podcast, all one word. Thank you for joining us, Father Mike. What a blessing to have you guys. God bless all of you. And check us out uh, wherever you find your podcasts. That's it for today. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more info on the SEEK conference, visit seek.focus.org. This episode of the SEEK24 podcast was produced by Spoke Street. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.